My point here is spend money making your best people better. Why not? Why you want a stale team, especially if, again, if you're a bootstrap company competing with people that are more funded, bigger teams, it's going to be hard to crawl up. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. So let's jump in. I've got 29 things I want to share. And I will tell you these 29 things that can help you hire better and build a team are very painstakingly learned by every mistake I've made in the book. I've hired about 120 people or so across 10 teams. And like I said, I've made so many mistakes. Hopefully you guys make less um, or better mistakes than I do. Okay, so let's jump in. First and foremost, if you take anything away from this, take these two things. These are going to be the biggest impact. So as a bootstrap company, I'm going to start with number two. As a bootstrap company, it's very important that you have laser focus because you can't just be okay at a bunch of things. You can't be good at a bunch of things. You've got to be great. And if you want to be great at something with, with being a bootstrap company, you have typically you don't have as much budget. You don't have as, uh, you, you're competing with a lot of people with a lot more money where they're spending. So focus on an area where you can actually really grow your business or a key initiative that can help you get to that next level. So if you're a millionaire or what's the key initiative that is going to get you to the next level? And if you don't know that answer, don't hire, don't do anything else. Figure that thing out. And it's okay to sacrifice uh, or compromise elsewhere, just but focus on the one or two things. And typically, it's going to be one or two things that are going to help you grow. And if you can't really figure that out, don't hire because you're not even going to hire the right person. You're not even going to hire the right, for the right role, the right channel, what have you. And number two, when hiring executives, managers, directors, uh, VPs, C-level folks, you guys can't afford to make many mistakes here. These, these folks are going to be key players on your team. And my rule of thumb is hire somebody that's done the role twice before. And when I say twice, I mean it. So once you could get lucky, right? You could be at the right company, the right time, and maybe they had product-led growth and you grew the company, blah, 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 right? Um, but twice, you can't get lucky twice the same way. So um, just trust me, I've hired a couple of executives at once. And I was like, oh, yeah, they got lucky. Uh, this is a bad hire. So a bunch of do's here, and I'm going to talk about some don'ts here. One, give a homework assignment or a project, one to two hour thing. Um, number two, fire fast. What I found in the onboarding or the early stages of an employee, if they're not a good fit in the first 30 days, they're just, or, or 60 days, fire them. Get, get out of that situation because there's no way in hell they're going to be a great employee six months in, a year in, what have you, right? So um, just don't waste your time. It's, it's a good thing for both parties. It sucks, but you know, it is life. Uh, top grading reference check. So top grading is a book. I'll get into that in a, in a couple slides here, but the process of top grading is really extensive, really long interview process. Uh, and the real key thing, key thing to take away from that is um, asking important questions two to three times. So if you're, especially if you're hiring a sales leader or a marketing person, ask them like, Okay, you, what did you do here? I grew the blog from blah to blah. Couple minutes later, ask them again. What did you do, What did you do here? I guarantee you, the answer will deflate over time. I grew the business from one to fifteen million. 
uh, actually, I was a part of the core team, and there was four people involved. And the second, the third time you ask it, they might be like, well, I was actually only there from one to five million, but now the company's 15 million, right? And so uh, it's not necessarily a lie. It's that they're inflating kind of what they, what they have done uh, early on in the question so you can call some people out. Um, ask, uh, sorry, hire from similar industries except for when hiring salespeople. So like at Mailshake, we're a sales engagement tool. Uh, so we do email, phone, SMS, social. And so when we hire folks like engineers or product people that understand email, well, they just onboard and get the business a lot faster. And uh, lastly, conduct a personality test. So Myers-Briggs, Colby Index. I was talking to David Hansel uh, at the speaker dinner yesterday. And one of the things he uses is a uh, uh, person. Uh, sorry, it's a uh, principles you. So whatever it is use a personality test so you can understand what makes them tick. What makes them tick compared to your other employees Make against you? And I guarantee you'll just be able to communicate more effectively, especially if you're remote. Now some do's, I mean some don'ts. First and foremost, you can't afford a recruiter, right? And in fact, uh, there's that budget you're gonna use for a recruiter, spend the time, do the hard work, and use that budget elsewhere. Um, I hate hiring companies from like these hot, fast-growing startups. Because guarantee you, employee number 504 at ClickUp isn't responsible for all their growth, right? It's the product. It's the core team. It's, they might have contributed to it, but they're not the only person involved at that time. And I find that funded company employees or hot growing startup, they just are used to different resources. And they might not be able to utilize, they might not be great when they're working solo or with the small team. And so I find there's just a mixed match of culture as well as budget and, and team size. Uh, and then, you know, this is the age old one, right? If it's not a hell yeah from everyone on your team, everyone interviewing them has a concern, don't make the hire. That mistake or that reason will, will like sprout or show up later in the, um, in the employee's time at your company. All right, so three really good ways to find talent first one is the hardest one possible. Build the personal brand. Go on podcasts, blog about whatever topic, whatever industry you're in. Um, just create content, right? The easiest thing you can do is just post regularly on LinkedIn and tweet. Um, maybe take some of your, your, your content that you guys share internally. Just share behind the scenes. At the end of the day, the best way to hire is getting people to you, right? It, I've built my personal brand. It's helped me get a lot of customers. But most importantly, it's helped me got like, my core like seven or eight employees at my team. Um, here's another one, search on LinkedIn, um, but search on the LinkedIn connections of influencers. So I recently hired a lot of salespeople and a lot of product people. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Now go to my page and look at my connections and then you can actually search on the LinkedIn bar and look for product people. I usually will know more product people than if you're just hiring for the first time. Now go to every speaker here, go to all the VCs here. They know the best talent they've usually interviewed and whatnot. So it helps you kind of get, get your network with somewhat vetted people. And then again, I believe the best employees already have jobs. So you're gonna have to go outbound. And outbound is really, everyone's always afraid of like, oh, I don't know how to do it. Well, it's easy. You find some people you think would be a good fit and you send them an email or a LinkedIn message, right? It's very, very, very straightforward. So here's an example of a LinkedIn message. This is, we were recently recruiting a VP of sales. In fact, steal this exact message, it works, right? I, I start off with saying, you know, this is, what I'm, this is the position, and then I talk about my company, two sentences max. Like, 
this is what we do. Like we're like this, that, the other. Here's what we're trying to do. We're growing, blah, 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 right? And I link to some social proof and then have time to chat. Well, here's, the, like, here's a real life example. And this is an exact opposite of the template, right? So this is a super personalized um, uh, an email that I sent over to our new head of sales. And so what you guys don't know is I spent two years stalking this guy on LinkedIn and I like subscribed to his email newsletter and pretty much I got hyper personalized and something on LinkedIn, he said, I'm hitting 120% of my quota. So I referenced that, right? I, I was able to hire him. It took me like about a year to, to like convince him to leave his company. But I, I eventually got him and, and I do this all the time. Like everyone, if I want to go find a CTO or a dev manager or product person, I'm going to go hunt them down and I'm going to invest the time to like get to know them. Not necessarily like they know me, but like look at what they're, in, what they're into, what they're up to. And I'm going to send them an email related to that. All right. And then again, this is actually a template you can use. Um, so my approach is I send them a, a, an email or a LinkedIn message and then follow up with, a, if I do LinkedIn, I'll follow up with an email. If I do uh, email, I'll follow up with LinkedIn. So this is an email. Again, don't go too long. Use this exact format, right? Impressive background. Always start with a compliment. It's, it's the best way to deflate the situation. And then it's like, hey, you want to join my company? Here's, you know, here's the position. Uh, keep it super short. You know, and again, I talked the last sentence about my company. We're bootstrapped. Value prop one, two, and three. Three awesome things about your company. Let's, let's, uh, let's have a chat. And then I put like love by X customers, social proof, right? Nobody wants to work at a company with five customers. That's like really early. It might be risky, blah, blah, blah. All right. So let's talk about this interview process. Very, very important. So top grading is this book uh, written by Brad Smart. It's a good book. It's a very, very extensive interview process. I think what I've taken from this is bits and pieces to make it, uh, to do a thorough interview as well as, um, as well as like just valid, like I removed a bunch of stuff that takes away the time from this. So uh, ultimately, um, I recommend turning your job descriptions into a uh, scorecard. And what I mean by that is really removing and minimizing your job descriptions. First and foremost, having less, a, a shorter job description, as well as a, um, just the must haves actually it gets you more talent. So, uh, and it helps you with diversity. So one of the things we did at Mailshake is we pared down our job descriptions because it turns out women don't apply to jobs that they're not fully uh, qualified for. Men do, they'll just hit apply a lot more. It, this is not me making this up, there's studies done. We actually increased 38% um, more female applicants have applied ever since we pared down our job descriptions. And when I mean pared down, I mean this. Uh, all right, so this is a scorecard, right? So what this is on the left-hand side, you've got the job description. Every bullet point has a scorecard to it. Like, how would you rate this person? And so why I say a scorecard is that why would you list something on your job description that you're not going to rate somebody on, right? What's the point? It doesn't help you. And so I want you to be that diligent on your job description and I want you to be that diligent like you have they need seven years experience in engineering and blah 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 code base how do they work on that right actually rate them and then pass this same scorecard to everyone on your team or give them the same score give them a, an opportunity to do and use a scorecard and again what I found is like by doing a very scientific mathematical process where I rate somebody and I look at their score I actually end up rating them on things 
I want them to be good at or what they need them to be good at versus how I felt with that conversation. And I found a lot of people are great interviewers, right? Especially sales and marketers. I get that one project. And when they, like that one to two homework, one to two hour homework assignment, well, that's really going back to like, are they actually good or are they good at talking about what they can do, right? Again, sales and marketers, I found marketers are really, really good at marketing themselves. Nothing against marketers, I'm a marketer myself, but um, you know, I look better on my LinkedIn than I actually am in, you know, in person. I look taller, <laughs> you know? So um, give them that one to two hour homework assignment. So a good example for our VP of marketing I recently hired was like, hey, we're at this, this is, we're at 10 million ARR. How are you gonna take us to 50 million ARR? And how long is it gonna take? And we did this like collaborative exercise. And when I did that with, like there's like six, six or seven VP of marketings that was in the like second or third stage. I can tell you a lot of them blew a lot of smoke, right? It was like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Well, how are you gonna do this? And there was just like a lot of substance missing. And so I was able to read it down to one or two people because um, I gave them a homework assignment. Now for sales, if you're hiring sales or an engineering folk, uh, for sales, what I did was um, I have everyone sign up for my product, whatever product it is, and I want, I want them to give me a demo of it, right? A great sales rep will sign up for the product, utilize it, um, look at all the help docs, maybe even ping your support team. They might even join a sales demo on your, on your website, and they'll do a stand-up job. So uh, a, a, an okay person might just sign up and then like do the exact assignment. And so you can really figure out if someone's really good at what they do versus good at talking about what they do. I find more times it's the latter, um, so just don't do that, right? Or give them the homework assignment. Uh, when you're hiring marketing people, product people, really dig in to uh, how they work cross-functionally. I don't know about you, but in marketing, you really can't get anything done without working with devs, oftentimes working with product, working with support. You're working with a lot of different people. And can they actually do that? Have, have they done that before? Again, ask that question. And again, as I mentioned in this scorecard, you want to ask uh, one question roughly for each responsibility. And I want this to be very scientific for you so that when uh, you're interviewing like 10 people, you can really truly compare how each other are and give them a number, right? Again, if you want to read the whole book on top grading, um, I, would, I would follow that process. It works really, really well. Now let's spend the next few minutes on retention. How many people are spending any money on educating their team? Uh, how many people are spending $1,000 a year? 5,000? 10,000? Awesome, 10,000, 20, awesome, okay, cool. So you guys are spending money educating your team, which is great, right? So I roughly, um, I usually budget about 10 to 15K a month, uh, not a month, a year, that's a lot, um, on education. So all my marketing people, they're going to Reforge, they're members of CXL Live, um, you know, conferences are great. I encourage them to have a mentor. We pay for the mentorship. We use like clarity.fm to find experts in whatever channel. And again, we encourage, you know, David Campbell here is one of my, one of my key marketing folks. How, many, how much do we spend on, uh, how, much, how many people have you talked to, mentors on Clarity? You lost count, right? He said lost count. Uh, pretty much if he doesn't know something, I ask him to go ping an expert in that space and figure it out from their perspective because when they've done something, you know, they'll help you make it better. So my, my point here is spend money making your best people better, right? Uh, why not? Why, you don't want a stale team, especially if, again, if you're a bootstrap company competing with P 
people that are more funded, bigger teams, um, it's going to be hard to crawl up. Um, one small culture thing that we do is just every week on Monday mornings, we just ask people, hey, what'd you do this weekend on Slack, right? Most people are like, oh, we need to get our remote team together. We need to do an offsite. Well, first of all, offsites are really freaking expensive and they're sometimes unproductive and they're infrequent, right? Like how often can you do an offsite? Once a year, twice a year? Well, what happens in the six months between those two things, right? There's some things you can do regularly. So just ask people to share a photo of what they do. We did that for a few months and now every day, Monday, like clockwork, people are just sharing what they did. And I can tell you some, my employees do some cool shit. Um, what do your employees do, right? And like, uh, I once posted uh, on Slack, like me doing karaoke to Taylor Swift. There is no better way to bring you down to like the regular person level than the CEO singing Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> so really like help me connect with folks. But uh, another cool tool is called SUP, which is a Slack plugin. It allows you to do some virtual coffee with uh, three to four random people. It's just a cool tool just to kind of plug it in. Another big thing here is asking exit interview questions. Um, so everyone always focuses on exit interviews when people are leaving. I like to do it when they're still there, right? So I get my, usually like, it's usually like three to four people I don't engage with often. I ping them and say, hey, let's hop on a call. I want you to tell me everything wrong with my company. What do you like about this business or your job? And what do you hate? There's no repercussion, but anything you hate, I wanna do better, right? Uh, first and foremost, it makes your employees feel heard. It makes them a part of the journey. But really, it helps you fix all the stupid things you're doing that you probably don't know you're doing, right? So very, very easy. And I do this like every six months or so uh, with my key people. And what I, why I say every six months is like, I believe a company, as if, you're, if you're all growing, every six to 12 months, something changes. Maybe you hire somebody, uh, the team gets bigger, you get bigger revenue, you add more process or... Most of the time, you hire more people and you forget the process, right? You forget to document, stuff like that. One of the biggest value things I've learned from my employees or um, I've done for my employees is actually paying for a night out. So I'll, I'll find them, a, my assistant will find them a babysitter in whatever region they're at. We'll pay for it. We'll pay for their dinner. And the reason I say this is important is like, Everybody can buy somebody. You can, everybody can be like, oh, here's some credits to get free lunch, right? But when you get your family involved, when you get your kids, like, you know, typically they, they send a, uh, we ask them for a picture afterwards and whatnot, but like they're super excited. Buying and hiring a babysitter and buying them dinner with their husband, wife, you know, friends, whatever it is, that gets their emotion. That gets their friend to be like, this is a cool company, right? It gets them to like share this across their family. And I always say like, the key to your employee's heart is their spouse's love, right? Um, struggle together. So uh, I don't know the exact name of the escape room we use, but just Google like remote <coughs> escape rooms and like struggle together. Go get out of this group together uh, and you can do some virtual puzzles as well. Those are some easy things. We typically do those things every month. Um, we just, it's an optional thing like, hey, we're going to do this on a Friday. It's going to be two hours. You know, it's kind of fun, what have you. And lastly, donate together. And what I mean by that is like, is there a cause you're passionate about? Is there something that you guys are doing? Well, let's just pull everyone together and, and donate. Uh, you might find people have other causes that they're involved in. And again, like it just gets for us, we're remote and it just helps us get to know each other a lot better. And it, I have 75 employees right now. I've probably met about 12 of them. 
but I know almost all of their passions. I know what they do on the weekends and they know what I do on the weekends and we know what kind of causes we're into. And so, you know, let's say I'm going to launch a new product and it, um, it directly interferes with someone's core values or what they're interested in. Well, now I know that before it goes out there. So that's it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.